Hello, 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 and welcome to Your Take is Excrement. That's right. It's the Poo Podcast. Yeah. Season two, season poo. And this year on season poo, we're we're going to be talking about movies we sure don't like. I am May. I, I am Neo. And we have become every fucking podcast you've ever heard. Yeah. We don't like movie. Hello. Hello. That's uh, literally the whole bit of every podcast. Well, we're we're not gonna do that this forever. We just have to like we, we we're not gonna do that forever. We're gonna do that today. Today. Uh, <laughs> but before we get into it, I'd like to thank our sponsors. Uh, thank you, Machine Age Productions, and their RPG hashtag I Hunt. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, the the YouTube short series Blood Thing and our newest sponsor. Ambient Dream Studio, their shop on Etsy. We'll talk about them more later. Yeah, we have another sponsor, guys. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Well, all right, so patreon.com slash excrement. If you like the show, please support the show. If you like the show, tell your fucking friends. Your friends need to know. And you know what? They sure don't know right now. No. Most of your, listen, half of your polycule has no idea you're listening to You need to, to excrement, pill your, excrement pill your friends. <laughs> excrement pill every single one of your Discord servers. Yeah. <laughs> now, hostile. Hostile. Fuck you, Eli Roth. Oh, we're back. We're back. So last week we we did the Green Inferno, and the Green Inferno is a movie that is uh, absolute trash in every single feasible way, but it also tries to play itself off as kind of an exploitation film to get away with some of the things that it tries to do. And so I think it's one of those things where a lot of people don't actually look at the movie at face value and say, is this appropriate? Uh, instead, they're looking at it and they're they're thinking, well, okay, it's a reference to something else, which was also inappropriate. So see, it's fine. And like, we got a lot of comments about that. So I thought that it would be something interesting to talk about before we really got started. But it's like, Hostile, on the other hand, is 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 kind of, it's the most nuanced version of the same problem. I and and and, and I, I legitimately think that its nuance is, is is because Eli Roth was was unable to communicate what he wanted to communicate. <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, we're gonna get into all of that, but um, before we we're gonna need to like just straight up go through the plot so everybody knows. But in in the event that you don't know, a little bit of contexty poo. Hostel is actually kind of a weirdly important movie. Huh. Yeah, it, I huh? know. I, well, in, in the lineage of things, it's kind of like, you know how things have a tendency to be important? It's kind of like, uh, you know, if you look back at your life and you think about a, a really shitty relationship you were in, but during that relationship, you got the motivation to do X thing, and then suddenly you're on a different path, and thank God you did that. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Where it's like, yeah, Hostel's a shitty thing. You know, it's a shitty relationship. But thank God, because, like, it introduced us to new concepts here in America, like mortality as, like, our main focus. And, like, pain and suffering as, like, a, a horror reality instead of just hitting us with, like, supernatural things that can't happen. It's more just, like, direct... Pain and suffering is the thing to be avoided. And there's a truth in that. And also xenophobia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this movie's about these two American, like, gap year backpacking through assholes. Europe. Frat boy douchebag assholes. 
who have a douchebag, douchebag frat boy asshole friend who's Icelandic, and they're in like the Netherlands, and they're like kidding up all the nightclubs and fucking prostitutes, uh, and then. Some dude is like, hey, y'all should totally go to this Eastern European country. Is it Belarus? I can't I can't even remember. I don't know if they're specific. I was, think they say it's it, like, okay, so there's this like Eastern European country, like, but there's a small city. And in the small city, there are ladies that are very attractive and will fuck everything. Any, anything with American accent gets fucked. Uh, so and of course these guys love drugs and want to get fucked. So they're like, well, that sounds fabulous. Yeah. So they 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 go to this Eastern European city. Uh, they they go to this the uh, <laughs> they go to the the like hostel that they got recommended to go to, and they're like, uh, yeah, it's actually like shared rooms. Um, co-ed. Co-ed shared rooms. Uh, but it'll be fine. Each room comes with two hot women that will fuck you in it. Yeah, yeah. So, so they they <laughs> fuck these women. And then suddenly the Icelandic dude goes missing, and the hotel's like, "Yeah, he grabbed his shit and checked out this morning." Uh, and they're like, "I don't think that happened." Yeah, and press like, X to doubt. Yeah, and then they keep on. They go out drinking and partying some more, and then they both get drugged. Uh. And then one of them goes missing. And so then the the last guy is like, what's up? What's what's going on here? So he like runs around and he's like pulling, pulling all these threads, trying to find his friend until he uh, ends up getting lured into a, like a murder factory tied to a chair. Where he meets Takashi Miike. Where he meets Takashi Miike. And uh, yeah, well, so and then it's like this, this like weird effeminate Dutch guy he like eats meat with his hands. No, he eats like, salad with his hands. Well, well, but he was. But while talking about the importance of eating meat with your hands, it's he's a fucking weirdo. He's he? a weirdo. Uh, he's a, like a businessman, and he's like, oh yeah, I I wanted to be a surgeon, but my hands aren't very steady, and so he, so I pay to cut people, cut Americans up. Uh, and that's what happened to the the to, to the first the, the first American. Right. The second actual victim that we know about, or that we know. And so then the third guy ends up. It's just like a rando. Yeah. Is like, uh, like a nervous rando is like, uh, I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to use a gun. And then he's like, yeah, this sucks. And then he like puts the gun down and he like goes and picks up a chainsaw. And he's like, I'm going to use a chainsaw. <laughs> this goes south for him. Yeah. So anyway, so so the main the main character escapes, runs around, finds this like Japanese lady that that he was he met in the hostel, cuts her eye out because it was like getting burned out. So he's like, all right, we just need to like blowtorch, cut it out, uh, and then they violently escape the murder factory, um, and then the Japanese lady like sees a reflection of herself, jumps in front of a train. And then he goes back home, and he yeah. kills the the effeminate doctor. Yeah, and happily ever after. Hap- happily ever after is such a strange. Honestly, I, I I don't know. Well, I feel like there wasn't a scene of like of of his self reflection and the scene you know the scene of like no, of him like not. him him. It's like showing him processing what happened. Yeah. Uh. 
Well, but I, I think that the same can be said about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, it's not there's not like a moment where Marilyn Burns goes, damn, what have I done? You right. know, it, it doesn't happen um, in the same way that it doesn't happen here. And well, but there's I, I, th- I think there's more it, it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has a more cathartic escape. Yeah. Well, yes. Oh, yes. Like 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 there's without there's, a doubt. There's not really any. Like, 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 there's this cathartic release to like the pressure in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The big thing I think here is there's a car chase at the end of this movie where I feel like it would have been more beneficial for there to be a foot chase, uh, you know. And I think I think the car chase was they were just like, oh, we gotta go through Dutch stuff, we gotta get out of here, we gotta get to the train station, yeah, stuff like but that. It's but like, like, I want fingermen who are very scary with weapons, and that's not what we got at the end. Yeah, the car chase is a little James Bond, and that like breaks the the, the, the the like breaks the pressure which is almost it's like a possession reference almost where it's like it turns into a different kind of movie at the end it's like a zulowski choice but i don't think that that's what eli roth is doing like i don't <laughs> i don't think that he's referencing zulowski but like my my point is this one's fucking weird because like so much of it is stuff that I just hate and well, so much of it is stuff that I just agree with. Right. Well, but but here's the problem. But it's the it's why is he doing it? Anyway, continue. Well, I was going to say here's the problem. Is any take Eli Roth presenting an actual take or is the or is it part of his bullshit like I don't ha- this is all about nihilism thing. Yeah. So so because you know, like someone commented on it's like they were saying that we we say both Eli Roth has no takes, and then but then when we talk about his takes, and like what what we mean by that is he brings up things, but he doesn't have the insight to communicate them. No, yeah. So so it's kind of like the guy who's like, well, female genital mutilation. Yeah, well, it, it's, and you're like, he's, he, yeah, he's he's what the guy you got in there. If you ever if you've ever had a coworker that. who wants you to let's say change a light bulb, and they 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 take ten minutes of your fucking time tiptoeing around the like tiptoeing around and 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 trying to get you to change the light bulb and doing anything they can to not say hey go change the light bulb he's he's that person as a director like he won't like right he's too busy trying to like hide behind behind irony the veneer of respectability yeah yeah and it's like just just say what say what the fuck you want to say dude (laughs) yeah well and i guess that that's the thing it's like the thing he wants to say is all this nihilistic shit but the thing he's trying to say is what everybody wants him to say. And it's almost frustrating to watch him have that identity crisis every single time I watch a movie of his. Right, because it's just, it's just disingenuous. Exactly. Like, like, if you have a shitty bad take, at least be honest about your shitty bad take. Yeah, well, so, and of course, no one could have anticipated where Eli Roth would have gone with his career following, you know, Hostel. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that a movie where a woman gets her eye burned out with a blowtorch is is directed. You know that guy's going to direct Borderlands. Uh, that's, pre- also, that's pretty on brand. I mean, on yes, brand for Borderlands, yes, it is. But but but, but like that man is also directed a, a children's movie called The House with the Clock in Its Walls. And so there's a bit in that movie where Jack Black is like a magician man, and he he and his like house and everybody. Make fun of this effeminate kid who's the main character because the main character kid is is like depressed or nervous, you know, or awkward, mm-hmm. and they make fun of him like openly, and you're right. just like, damn, this feels like fucking high school, and it's like Eli Roth cannot 
help himself from being a little shit about everything all the time. And I almost want to agree with him because I'm a little shit all the time right. about everything. But I try to do it with some sort of purpose. Yeah. I feel like he's a little shit about everything all the time with no actual real backing, no real um, ideology to back it up. Uh, well, he, I mean, I mean he's, he's one of those like people who wants to be a deconstructionist, but isn't even like honest enough to, to be an actual deconstruction <laughs> deconstructionist. Right. Um, where he's like, he, it's, it's, he's like half-assing trying to deconstruct things, but he isn't fully like, he, like, like he's only going halfway. Right. Well, it's not like, it's he, not like his films exhibit a specific visualization. It's not like his films exhibit, I mean, the, when you think of an Eli Roth movie, I think of an ironic movie filled with gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and douchebag characters, pretty much. And I know that that's like a meme. Everybody talks about how Eli Roth has douchebag characters. But the thing about that is that he clearly empathizes with the right. douchebag characters. So so it's like it's 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 one thing if you have if you have a douchebag frat bro in your movie. Right. But it's and 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 if the point of your movie is like is like hey, like it's you know, you know Americans do this thing where we go overseas and we just act like buffoons, and and it's just like he doesn't he, he he understands that it's wrong, but he doesn't understand why it's wrong. I would say, and and because he clearly likes the characters, and he thinks that 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 attitude is is like is a good thing, or at least a thing he aspires to, and 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 it's like the solution isn't don't travel overseas, like because like his solution is don't go to these places. Where the solution should probably be, uh, hey, when you when you're in someone's country, why don't you respect them? Right. Well, and and you know, if you go looking for things that are too good to be true, you're gonna find them. And uh, well, and it's well, so and 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 there's like there's this aspect of the movie of like sex tourism mm-hmm. that he that he is he's fine with, like you know. It, well, but it's it's. That's the parallel, right? Is is the dungeon at the end of the movie? But the boy is being put in the dungeon. That's literally like if it's a it's a feminizing them. It's putting them in in the position of a prostitute that they earlier in the movie would have been subjecting to right. their sick behavior. Well, yeah. Well, so so I I think a movie about like like I, I think fundamentally, if if you're pitching to me a movie about how. Like it's a movie about how douchebag frat boy, like quote unquote alpha male type Americans get, you know, you know, you know, you know, start start the movie, you know, going to all these prostitutes and 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 and, and are in this journey to try to find cheaper, better prostitutes in this like really objectifying shitty frat boy douchebag way, yeah. and then and then they 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 get, you know, you know you know the tables turn and then they're they're on the receiving end of this like objectification and this like you know sex slavery i think i think fundamentally that's a good concept but i think the problem with with specifically hostile and trying to execute this concept is i don't i don't think eli roth gets that critique or or, or gets gets the full extent of that bit because you know if I think if you're in a movie where you're trying to we're trying to like like talk about how how shitty people are 
to sex workers, then why is the first half of the movie glorifying and in in and in, in, in not even in an ironic way, but in a very genuine like right. isn't it really cool? There's no darkness. There's no it. darkness. Well and so it's like it's like it's it, not like they themselves are finding themselves doing things over there that they would not normally want to do. Like, right. There's not a scene in the movie where a guy is like fucking a girl and is like, oh shit, I can hit her if I want to. Right. And then he chooses to. Yeah. And then he gets his comeuppance for that later. Like that's cool. not something that's built into the movie. The implication of that is built in. But but, but not the directness. Right. But but in the movie, like in the scene at the beginning where in the brothel, A, it's presented as as like you know, oh, oh yeah, isn't this really cool? We get to go like have sex with prostitutes, and then when there's a scene where where the the main character who who survives until the end is like walking through the brothel and he hears he hears like grunting and in sounds of hitting and he hears a whim, a woman, um, and so he's like, oh no, like a prostitute's getting getting beaten, so he opens the door and it's the, the prostitute's a dominatrix who's beating the guy the guy and she's like you have to pay if you want to yeah watch. and so it's like and so you know you know it, i think if you're making a movie about how how like you know how, how 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 rough it is to be a sex worker and how you know uh and how like men degrade and like belittle and are violent to to like prostitutes and people they have sex with then you should you should like communicate that you know, in the scene where where the men are at the brothel, but instead, it's it's only ever shot as a this is really cool, this is really neat, well, fucking and, like fucking prostitutes is cool. Well, and I think Eli Roth sees it as an innocence thing. I think that it actually has a lot in common with Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. which hold on, <laughs> it's I think I think by ill intent. I think it's it's fairly badly constructed. But my point is that like so Mulholland Drive opens with that bit where Naomi Watts is like literally like her eyes look like she's perpetually having an orgasm Mm -hmm. because she's looking at Hollywood and it's her dreams are coming true. And she's like, wow, this is amazing, you know, and like. I see this comparison to Hostel where these douchebag guys are like, whoa, bro, holy shit, man. You can literally fuck anybody and do whatever you want here. But they don't realize that if you can fuck anything, anything can also (laughs) fuck you. Right. But I well, so in so it's just the way I, I kind of see it is 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 when the 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 frat bros are 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 at the at the uh the the brothel that's how um like like that's how Eli Roth views it like like that's the experience through the lens of Eli Roth I think that's the thing right is like in Mulholland Drive there's an objectivity um to its subjectivity I know that that sounds ridiculous but but my point is Somebody is observing someone's subjective experience and communicating it to us Mm -hmm. in, and and I know that that sounds ridiculous, but it's like, there's a, Mulholland Drive is a dream and we are watching somebody communicate the dream to us. Right. And so that is objectifying the subjective. The same thing is true of Hostel where Eli Roth is objectifying the subjective experience of these people going overseas and doing this thing. But 
The problem is he doesn't have the grit and the honesty within himself to really come at the subjective experience of Mm -hmm. these Americans. He ultimately empathizes with them and feels like he himself would participate or belong. Right. He feels like one of them. And so it's, it's not that he views the end of this movie as some kind of denouement where he's trying to say something about Americans Mm -hmm. or he's trying to say something about himself or exploitation of sex workers exploitation culture mm-hmm. it's not like he's he's trying to make a denouement happen there he's trying to explain like himself right and so he's not objectifying his subjective experience he's just telling us what he would do in that situation mm-hmm. and like i guess the problem is there's a lot of things here <laughs> there's so many ideas here mm-hmm. But he doesn't have the objectivity to really display them to us in a way that really gets to us, which is is so like when I was a kid, this movie used to really bother me when Mm -hmm. I was like 13 or 14. uh, And it was only explicitly because of the the gore stuff at the very end with the eyeball made Mm -hmm. me feel gaggy, vomity (laughs) sick. Yeah. Like, and it was just because it was a weird, disgusting goo. And I didn't, I don't like the idea of a weird, disgusting goo coming out of a human person. Um, So for whatever reason, I just really didn't like that as a kid. But when it came to like the actual themes, when it came to like the messaging of the movie, the, what it was about, that stuff never stuck with me. That stuff never bothered me. The thing that bothered me was the fucking eyeball gore. Right. Well, and it's, but it's, if, if, if the movie is about, you know, this role reversal and you're, you're glorifying the, the, um, the person who's, who's like paying, paying for, for, be it, you know, the sex work or the torture. So if your movie's about, about this role reversal, then why do you glorify the the person you're going to revile later on in the movie? It's like to such a high degree. Yeah, I don't really know. I I think that the main character is like such a douchebag. And then like, I almost wish, I feel like this is true of the movie too, that the gay kid absolutely should have been the, the, the surviving final girl in this. Right. Like, but, but Eli Roth doesn't do that. He kills the gay kid because he doesn't want the movie to be an arc or have some kind of important value. He wants to fuck us in specific. Well, but no, it, it's also because the main character is a self implant. And exactly. And that's my point. He even fucking looks like him. He can't, he can't like, he can't take the ego hit of having his self insert, not be obnoxiously straight. <laughs> right. Well, and all, and ultimately like Eli Roth's view on the whole gay thing in the, in the movie, which is something that I'm only barely noticing now as a much older person. But like, his view on that whole thing is like, well, it's a vulnerability. If you go in there and you, you got a little heart, you know, you're going to get fucked. You can't, you can't go into that world with a little heart. You can't be gay in that world. And it's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel well, like this I, is I, a very a good opportunity for gay resilience, but okay. I, I think fine. there's also, there's also a, a way of interpreting the, the homosexuality in this movie as, as Eli Roth saying that like, 
hey, if if you're like young and confused, Gaiman will just entrap you and 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 fuck you up. Well, and and it's not untrue. That is something that happens, but Eli Roth doesn't know that because Eli Roth is not gay. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know that, and that's also why he refuses to write this in a way that actually has some sort of nuance in there for the for that particular vibe. It it turns into the the thing that happens in a lot of like schlocky exploitation movies where the victim doesn't want to die but simultaneously does. And the killer wants to fuck the person, but simultaneously wants to kill them, and killing them is fucking them. Mm-hmm. So the the scene is ultimately a, a horror scene where the kid who, who like hit on the guy in the bar and was like, "Hey, I might actually be gay, dude. If you want to bone me, that's cool." And then he wakes up, and the guy is like boning him, and he's like, "Oh no, I don't want this." Mm-hmm. That's literally what's happening. But, like, what? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Eli Roth knows what he's talking about there. And I get that it's it, it's mixing it. So it's mixing a metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. It's mixing the metaphor of, like, the gay experience in this particular instance. But then you're also wondering, why the fuck did a gay kid come here anyway? And then, like, with this douchebag friend. And there's all this, like, all all, all these elements there. It, like it's just he throws a lot of things in there but doesn't develop on any of them because he can't objectify his subjective experience ultimately he thinks this about gay people so he does it to the gay people like in the movie because of that right like in the same way that like the main character is the main character not because he's the most interesting he has the most compelling story he has an arc anything like that but because he is the most like Eli Roth <laughs> therefore he is the most easy he's the simplest to write like yeah uh and also after a point like the fucking guy does he becomes worthless anyway he's just like trying not to let people die like or he's trying to prevent injury or pain well well no but it well because because he's the Eli Roth self insert he has to have like like the moment he breaks free it's it's not really a horror movie anymore, and it's it's just kind of like a James Bond-esque action thriller of him running around trying not to get caught and killing the bad guys. Right, which is a subversion, but also this is the moment where the horror really, really becomes flesh. And and I feel like that that's kind of like uh, skimped on. Mm-hmm. They, they, they blow right past it. Uh, and that's kind of the big shame here. I think that's the shame in Saw as well. Is that this is this is the 2000s? It's the era of okay, here comes the cool thing, and we're gonna blow right past it. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's just like it's just like the whole bit of like of of like a human factory where they you know where yeah wealthy people fly in to like just cut people up. Like it's just it's such a good like poor bit, but Eli Roth just isn't interested in, in like exploring it to to the degree he's interested in exploring his own experience of it yeah which is to say he sees it in a specific way but he he wants to subvert it and turn it into an action thing because he thinks that that would be the spiciest choice he's yeah. thinking about pulp fiction you know and the, the end yeah or not the end but you know what i mean with marcellus in the basement and he's thinking like okay so it's gonna be like that and i get it I guess. Right, but um, there's like I don't know. There's there's like the reason the pulp fiction bit worked was one, it wasn't 
the the like the primary bit of the of the narrative in the film and it also had 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 a purpose as like for the film so it wasn't just in there to be a to be a a gimp sex thing right like, well and it, it, it's very much like hostile is an is an exploration of that scene of pulp fiction for an entire movie right but 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 <laughs> where but, oops it's a torture dungeon yeah but oops you're a gimp but it's i don't know it's it's i i just feel like like there's there's a much better way you could explore that and execute it and it doesn't well, there's better ways than Tarantino did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's so it's like the the roadmap is not necessarily written in fucking <laughs> the best ink. So like but I think that the the, the thing that people are gonna really want us to highlight here in this mm. moment is to say that there is a scene where the main character who for whatever reason has nothing to say, no thoughts in his head, no experience, uh, and no real morality, is confronted with another American. And the other American's like, I'm going to go shoot a bitch. Yeah. And then he realizes, oh, shit. And says, I'm going to shoot a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's confronted with the reality that Americans come here to pay to kill other Americans. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, he couldn't fathom the thought of that, even though he, like, is participating in that very thing where he's going overseas to have sex with people that are people that he would like to have sex with in his own country, but is doing it here. And he's doing it here because it's like permissive Mm -hmm. and it's like different. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And so the, the, it's about tolerance, I think too, where it's like, you know, you, you can tolerate the, the, the crime stuff. But if you tolerate the crime stuff, crime stuff might happen to you, honey. And right. That's fair. That's a fair exploitation thing. But also, Eli Roth later on in his career directed Death Wish, mm-hmm. a remake of Death Wish. And do you know what Death Wish is? Nope. So Death Wish is a movie about a guy who his daughter is like raped mm-hmm. so he goes and buys a gun and decides to shoot everybody who's bad in the world mm-hmm. and becomes like a vigilante with a gun you know and he becomes death wish you know so uh-huh. uh it's a right-wing propaganda movie no oh, uh, i mean i can't believe i know <clears throat> from eli roth well what and, yeah well and so it's a remake of a michael winter right-wing propaganda movie and so knowing this <laughs> i think that changes our our relationship to the end of hostile 2 because uh, i mean hostile not hostile 2 but if if you uh if you really ever question Eli's motives i think you should just give death wish a little <laughs> little watch anyway right. we're gonna go ahead and do some ads. ads all right first of all we'd like to thank machine age productions and their rpg hashtag i hunt it's an econ- it's economic core about hunting monsters in the gig economy where eviction is scarier than dracula it's buffy meets uber go check it out it's cool go play it get some dice get some friends and play it if you're having problems getting dice order them off of amazon 
problems if you have problems getting friends to play it. Uh, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I was gonna make it. I was gonna make a joke, and I realized it was an ad, and I probably shouldn't make dumb jokes like like that. But yeah, I I bet you know where I'm going. Uh, we'd also like to thank Ambient Dream Studio, our newest sponsor. There's gonna be a link in the description of their storefront. It's it's just it's really cool, kind of like psychedelic art. Uh, there's one I was looking at that I that I really want to get and will when I when I have some more money. But it's like it's like a there's like the clouds are all like eyeballs and like looking at this dude on a road. It's just it's just really neat. Uh, go check them out. Go buy some of their stuff. Blood Thing is a YouTube show. You can watch it with your eyeballs. You take your eyeballs. You put it on it. You take them. And you look. It's an animated show. It's cool. You use your eyes to look at it. And it's animated. So you'll look and you'll be like, whoa, this is not reality, but something else entirely. Something neater and better. <laughs> Phantasmagorical and different. This is like the weirdest advertisement for a product or service in the world. Um, but anyway, please put your eyeballs on... Uh, blood thing <laughs> there will be a link so yeah check out blood thing it's animated and cool uh and very phantasmagorical there's like a whole channel this whole this whole channel is a bunch of animated stuff but it's like it's not like your 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 like viral animated thing like um don't think like like um what's that guy oh my god film cow that guy it's not like that it's more it's more like very indie and dark but also not Indian dark like Jimmy Screamer Claws. Don't worry. It's not like a fucking weird thing. It's a cool thing. So, yeah, there you go. It hits right in the cool thing zone. Blood thing, more like cool thing. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so bad at, at advertising. <laughs> um, Continue. Uh, uh, yeah. So, Patreon? We need to. Yeah. Uh, go check us out uh patreon.com slash excrement uh it's a place where we deposit our shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you like that yeah you get it you get it you get your shit early uh oh ho, ho, ho. oh 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 um while we're doing advertisements i feel the need to and com- the compulsion to mention that i have cds for sale um on my band camp website that's uh bandcamp slash or dot com slash merch uh and you can you can pick one up i'll sign it for you i i got these postcard bricks in i signed 1000 postcard bricks yesterday so i'm tired uh, anyway um yeah and on with the podcast yeah so so we watched blazing saddles the other night uh, yes we did and so i think it's really strange that eli that that he looks up to this and is like wow i wish you could make movies like this nowadays mm-hmm. when the bit with blazing saddle is that he's an idiot like his his class of people his like like the people like eli roth are fucking idiots yeah well, like there's 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 the the line where it's like these people they're they're morons. <laughs> yeah, I mean ultimately they're dumb. And that's the thing that marginalized people have over them is ultimately they're kind of dumb. 
Yeah. So, which is funny, and that's the big joke of Blazing Saddles, is that ultimately white people are kind of dumb, so black people genuinely, like, it, it sucks that white people are in power because white people are really, really bad at it. But, like, every time black people get power... They handle it great, yeah. <laughs> uh, comparatively. Uh, of course, this is a joke. There, insert citation for a place where black person had power and they turned into a monster and killed a bunch of people or something. I, but but anyway, yeah yeah yeah. I hear you. Whatever. Well, my my point is like, Blazing Saddles, um, is is a movie that demonstrates in a in the sixties that you do not need to sugarcoat or hide or pretend that there's something else going on and you don't need to dog whistle shit. You can just straight up say it. Mm-hmm. You can just straight up say it. Like, and, and, and everybody acts like, oh, you couldn't do it today. But the thing is, it, you people don't is the thing. People are too much of... Like, they're too afraid, right? Like, Blazing Saddles is ultimately a movie about critical race theory. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, of course, they can't do it now because nobody will just say, hi, this is the fucking deal. And this is why I was like, have you seen Sorry to Bother You? That literally is the same thing where it's like, hi, here's the rub. Well, and it's in, 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 in two, we're going to, we're going to, before people, before we get comments, we're going to, we're going to clarify the definition of critical race theory. And it's critical race theory is a theory that that in in certain societies racism is so ingrained in the culture that any attack on the racism of the culture is perceived as an attack on the culture. So, like literally, what it's saying is is if is the American culture so racist that when you call out the racism, people think you're trying you're calling out the Amer- the culture. And so you're you're in immediately engaging in a culture war by criticizing the culture at all. So and so that is something that Mel Brooks knew, right? So when he goes into it, he goes, okay, I understand that they're going to hate the shit out of this no matter what I fucking say. Mm-hmm. So I better say it as boldly and as, as objectively funny right. <laughs> as possible. Like, because if I'm not clear, this is going to be taken from me. And the funny thing is, is like, he is clear. And it still is taken from him. Well, They've still tried to take it from him. Like, right-wingers have still tried... They have continued to try and take Blazing Saddles as something other than about critical race theory. Right. In, 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 cause, yeah, so the whole movie is is fundamentally about how, how shitty and racist America is. Um, and, and, and so when Eli Roth says, well, it, it, it sucks that we couldn't make another Blazing Saddles, where it's like, what part of the movie do you want to replicate, bud? Do you want to replicate the scathing critique of American culture, or do you want to say hard R N words? Right, and, 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 and we all know what Eli Roth wants to do. Right. Well, and and so the Mel, man, Mel the Brooks man, will use a hard R N word in his movie because he wants you to literally fucking hate the person who said it, and. And, like, it is that blatant where it's, like, he'll have a character say it so that you can fucking hate that character. Right. So that so that he isn't sugarcoating how exactly. fucking racist white people are. Yeah. And so that was the same thing where I was saying what we were saying about the Green Inferno is the Green Inferno flirts with it 
it'll say it, but it won't just be like, hi, I'm representing racism. Right. Like, it won't acknowledge that it's representing well, racism. I mean, it wants to say that it's being smart about how it's representing racism while representing Eli it. Roth is someone who doesn't live in Hollywood because he thinks Hollywood is too liberal and... And I like, mean that in and of itself should probably so, say everything. So 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 when somebody refuses to live like he lives in Brazil, right? Not sure if he does anymore, but there was a time where he left America because he said that America was growing too liberal and he wanted to move to Brazil where he felt that he could make the movies he really wanted to make. Yeah. So 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 when someone when you know when someone says that and then it's like I I wish I I wish you could do Blazing Saddles again. It's like Wait, you you watch the movie just to hear the N word, bud? Yeah, really? And, you know, and it, it, that's it's... That, that's your takeaway from the movie. Well, and so to to draw lines back to Hostel, Hostel is a movie that almost almost says it all. If it wanted to, mm-hmm. if it wanted to, it could be the one to actually do it, because like it's almost there. All mm-hmm. the the pieces are literally there. But he doesn't have the objectivity, the understanding, and the the purpose right. enough to choose to do that, and instead chooses to do the things that are ironic. It's kind of like, um, and and this is like one of the things that people really desperately like about him. You should know, like if you've seen the movie Pieces, which is one of his favorite movies. At the end of Pieces, like this guy assembles. A, a, a woman out of a bunch of pieces of other women uh-huh. and sews them together. and Like that bit in Dragon Age 2? Yeah. <laughs> and at the end, uh, the woman comes alive uh-huh. uh, and grabs the guy's cock and rips it off. Uh-huh. And uh, this is played for laughs. And it's like a big what the fuck moment. Mm-hmm. And so Eli Roth loves this and does this a lot. Uh, in in Green Inferno, there's that dream sequence where someone walks up to the main character and she like has big teeth and like bites them and yeah. kills them. That is a pieces moment. But of course, he he didn't make that literal like pieces did. He made that oh it was a dream. Um, well, and so the same things kind of happen here where there's a lot of what the fuck. This is very surreal. Like I can't mm-hmm. believe this is happening. Uh, moments in this movie but he doesn't like take them to their meaningful right because he's insecure about it exactly because because he's insecure about it so he's like he plays ironic about all this stuff when he could very literally just say right what he wants to say yeah it's like it's like what what i was saying earlier it's like stop obfuscating what you want and what you mean like like well and so what i said last time on the Green Inferno podcast, as I said, that he's a ne- he's very neoliberal, which is to say that he's very centrist, which mm-hmm. is to say that he's very right wing. <laughs> uh, and this is what I mean. Mm-hmm. He's too neoliberal to take the thing that he wants to say and say it like he won't say the leftist thing. He's too neoliberal to do that. Then he leans on centrism to back up his his like, I'm not willing to go that far thing. Mm hmm. And so he'll lean on centrism for jokes. And when you lean on centrism that much, you turn into a right-wing asshole. Right. And so he's become a right-wing asshole based on this very pipeline. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in all of the movies. Right. Like even Cab- like Cabin Fever, his first fucking movie, ends with like a racist joke. And it's not like a racist joke, but it's like an ironic racist joke where you're like, 
you're supposed to laugh at the racist. Mm-hmm. But you're also laughing with Eli Roth, who wrote that in there, but not for, like, to say it all, not to really tie everything together, mm-hmm. but just because it would be a nice pieces moment. What the fuck, man? Pancakes, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's it's like uh, he's got this ironic bent in it, and it's killing his movies because it makes him lean on centrism, and that makes him lean on right-wing shit. And if you watched, like, Knock Knock, mm-hmm. which we haven't seen, but we'll have to watch for the podcast at some point, Keanu Reeves is in that shit, you know? Like, <laughs> holy crap. And that's the most right-wing bullshit movie about like how women are evil and are going to cancel you if you have if they have sex with you. It's like so fucked, well, man. Yeah, and it's like you know, I I'd, I'd rather it's going to sound horrible. I prefer and I hate both these groups of people. But like, I'd rather someone be like, "Yes, I'm a I'm a Confederate Nazi," than someone to be like, "I'm not a Confederate Nazi. I just I just think that the South has some really good points." Um, um, it's like it's like you know, if you're gonna be if you're gonna have shitty fucked up beliefs, at least like be 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 honest enough to tell me so I can fucking hate you for it. Right. Well, and and so it's like. It's like it's because, like why are we still defending him? Yeah, and there's so many people that are still defending him, and it's like okay, so he made a kids movie, right? House of the Clock and its Walls mm-hmm. makes fun of the kid the whole movie, like makes fun of the kid for being effeminate and kind of gay. Mm-hmm. Great, good shit, Eli. Uh, fucking the Green Inferno. I'm gonna do a cannibal movie, but I'm just gonna lean into how racist and fucked up those are because I think it's more fun to do that yeah. than to not do that or to have some sort mm-hmm. of repurposed belief. He makes knock-knock. Women are scary and bad and evil, and they're going to kill you and ruin your life. Uh, and, and and women can just do this because women are, are, are fucking evil, uh, and that's great. Death Wish. Fucking Death Wish. Mm-hmm. He made Death Wish. Why are we debating this? Right. Well, and it's like, it's like, it's like, and, and he knows that, that, that the, the views he's presenting in the movies are kind of bad. And and he's 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 like I, I I you can sense like some degree of like shame in his own opinions in the movies. Yes. And then it's like and that's why he uses so much irony to like to like cover up his intentions and what he thinks. Well, there's cultural anthropology, right? Where mm-hmm. there's I know about cannibal movies in detail, in depth, but I I also know that they have wrongness in them, and I'm okay talking about that, and I can talk ad ad length about the wrongness of the thing because that is an aspect of cultural anthropology if you want to know about the bad thing you got to know why it's bad too Mm -hmm. and so like there's that but then when you go to repurpose your cultural anthropology i'm gonna make a cannibal movie he doesn't go i'm going to repurpose this so that we can talk about the the like weird racist implication of all of this um it's not gonna repurpose itself to talk about that he's gonna use it as a platform to bitch about the sjw's that he doesn't like Mm -hmm. and and so you're like death wish he could if he wanted to take death wish away from its right-wing context repurpose it and rethink it but instead no (laughs) 
he tries to justify it further. Mm-hmm. So understand his version of cultural anthropology is he will take something he, he likes and tries to understand, but refuses to understand it in detail mm-hmm. and then repurposes it in a way where he can reduce how problematic it is so that he can enjoy it further so that he gets to do and play with the thing that he enjoys, which is bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like exploitation is a, is, is a great genre to study because of the cultural anthropology element of it. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to understand our world and understand the way that different kinds of people view different situations in pretty shitty ways to market to you to get you to watch the movie. Right. But if he ever thinks that he's trying to do something grander than the exploitation movies that he himself is like worshiping, mm-hmm. he's wrong. It's retromania. Mm-hmm. He's just doing what he's seen before. But he like it, it but he's not even doing it. In, in a genuine appreciation, in a genuine way. It's like, I, ju- I just really value people, like, honesty and people being honest to me through their media. Yeah. And and he's just so fucking disingenuous and two-faced in, like, in both Green Inferno and Hostel, where it just it just makes me revile the movies. Well, and, and we were talking about this with Bone Tomahawk and S. Craig Zoller, where it's like, you know, the, the dude... A dude will make a concession with the thing he loves mm-hmm. so that he can do it again, right? Mm-hmm. So he'll go, okay, I like movies about how natives are savages and cowboys have to go shoot the natives, but I don't want to make a movie that's going to get me in trouble for being racist. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say they're not natives, they're troglodytes, and then I get to do the thing I want to do, and nobody can say no. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same thing with Eli. He does the same fucking thing, where he's just like, I want to make a movie about cannibals, and it's going to be racist. But I can't uh, do it like that. I got to do it different. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe if I market the fact that I treated the cannibal tribe really good, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe, maybe if I, uh, you know, I don't know, it's... it's justifying these things. And I know I'm talking about fucking Green Inferno again, but like Hostel, right, exemplifies a lot of these things where he wants to do this stuff. He wants to play with this stuff. Mm-hmm. He loves these toys. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't understand them, right? Or and it's like and 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 I think you. So I I, I like a lot of like grognard military shooters. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing like a lot of siege with my friends, like Rainbow Six Siege. I've been playing uh, like a lot of like Ghost Recon. Uh, be, just because I I just like that those kind of games. But then like you may like you said something where you're just like I just don't like I just don't still like so much military shit in my games. And I've been like seriously, I've I've been like seriously thinking about about it, like playing through this, where it's like I really like these toys, but it's like I, it's not like the glorification of this is bad. It is bad, yeah. And, right. And like, look at what it's trying to get so, me to do. Right. Yeah. Well, and so you know, in in uh, like Ghost Recon Breakpoint, it kind of like it simultaneously hates libertarians, but also kind of worships them. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not ideal. Uh. Uh, anyway well and, and so it's just to say it's like it's like i've been really like re- reevaluating my like kind of some of the things i play because it's like 
you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with with Ghost Recon or Rainbow Six Siege, but I think I think like I am having to reevaluate my relationship with with like the toys in the games and the concepts of the games and like and how how I feel about that. Right. Um and I think that's like uh, that takes I mean like I think that's important for everyone to do with like all their media is you constantly have to like like kind of deconstruct and reconstruct your opinions on on media and because I think that's just a healthy thing to do and that's how you grow as a person. Yeah. Um and that's how that's how you develop nuanced rugged rugged opinions on things where you you like pull them down and you look at all the pieces and you put them back together and you and 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 you know and then and then you know if and a couple years you need to pull it back down and put it back together like that's just how you that's just how you grow and i think that the way i'm gonna put it is there's multiple ways to hate american culture uh but don't let the aesthetic of hating american culture fool you into thinking that this thing that hates American culture hates it in the same way you do for right. the same reasons. Right. Yeah. It's the, <laughs> just be like s- people like South Park, right? Mm-hmm. Until South Park says something they don't agree with. And it's like, yes, hating American culture is appealing until you realize why they hate it. Right. Versus why you hate it and how that's different. And the aesthetic of the hating of it is profitable Mm -hmm. right so the point is it's spicy and edgy to make a movie about how americans go overseas to get prostitutes and drugs and then they don't realize that they're going to uh they're putting themselves in a in in basically in it's the anarchy nightmare right Mm -hmm. where if drugs and sex work are legal well somebody's gonna fucking start killing people for fun right you know which sure maybe but like understand that there's there's two ways of looking at that there's a there's way there's the way that Eli's looking at it and then there's the way that it could it should probably be looked at right which is that this is a libertarian hellhole right, right? if anything this is explaining libertarianism uh, right and and if it, if you want to see it in that way in a successful way you can do that if you wish well and, and so like like i feel like that this whole movie is like is can be summarized as like Eli Roth is is violently fucking a prostitute and being like, ah, oh, damn, it would really suck if I was her. Yeah, pretty much. And it's like, well, my dude, why, why would it? It's it, it, it's like a conservative. If she saw what I was doing to her. She would throw herself in front of a train. Yeah, it's like it's like when conservatives <laughs> are like, um, are like, oh man, it's like we're becoming the minority. That's awful. And it's like, oh, why is it? Why is it Why bad, is it to, bad be the minority, to be the minority? But are you? Is, is this what's beca- wrong with you know, being a minority? You know, yeah, like, do you worry that you're not going to be heard? Yeah, it's. It, do, you, <laughs> do do you worry that? Do you worry that someone someone will use will use their 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 like strength and power their, their, over their, you? Their homogeny to 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 do something to you, kind of akin to what you do to every other minority. Oh, that's a problem. Oh. And have for hundreds of years. Oh. oh. Yeah, it's like it's like you're so close. It's like it's like you are so fucking close to getting there. Well, and I feel like this is the moment where somebody would argue that we ourselves are are reaching the same conclusion as hostile. But this is why I I bring it back around to understand that the aesthetic of hating American culture, criticizing American culture, it it, it, it the reasons matter. Yeah. The deep 
deep in, inserted reasons the matter. Why behind the why behind it is important. And the thing is, I understand that white guys are real bad, and if prostitution was legal, white dudes would probably exploit it and mm-hmm. shit. But understand that this isn't the fault of the the usage of that. <laughs> it's the fault of the Americans in and of themselves. And so Americans hate it when they're exploited by themselves. And I think that that's what the movie is trying to do. But the problem, I think, is that Eli isn't isn't a, isn't a smart enough boy to put American on an American mm-hmm. in this movie. Why not? Why isn't there a, mo- a, a moment in the movie where there's an American in a chair who's about to die, and then an American walks in and is like, Hi, I'm going to kill you. Right. It's because he doesn't it's because it's not about that yeah it's because it's about xenophobia it's about xenophobia it's about about foreigners wanting to kill americans Mm -hmm. and and it's like no if this were real it would be americans paying to kill other americans yeah like it would be it would be jeff epstein's island and exactly yeah but he doesn't do would, that it shit would be, it would be sallow not not the other way around sallow this is not no uh sallow is like the good version of this <laughs> so we're at the end of the podcast i guess that means we got to make determinations about uh, determination this is movie shit i don't like it i don't think it's good no nuance you're gonna throw it in the poop pile uh no well, it, like it's like I like the general concepts. I like if 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 you the aesthetic moved, of hate, the aesthetic of yeah. hating American culture is strong, but I don't like the underlying reasons why it hates American. Culture I don't like the undercurrent. The it should. Yeah, it's, I think it's 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 a movie that's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yep. So it goes in the poop pile for me. Yeah, I don't. I don't like any of Eli Roth's movies, I don't, I don't, and I don't care. Like I'm sick and tired of that. Like, there's this weird thing where you have to pretend mm-hmm. online. Like, people will, because so many people like it. And I don't think it's that people like it. I think it's that it's been getting made, is the reality. Mm-hmm. People think that Eli Roth has a lot of horror cred because he talks about it a lot and he's seen a lot of stuff. But listen, I've got fucking eyes. Yeah. I have fucking eyes. You do too. Yeah. I'm- Why is he amazing? Yeah. What what is so great about him having eyes and having also watched the movie I've seen? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Why are we listening to him? I just I just don't want to be mad anymore. I'm I'm tired of being angry. That's at fair. Eli Roth. It's exhausted me. I just like Eli Roth has always given me this vibe of who the fuck made you the boss? <laughs> yeah. And I feel that way about Rob Zombie too. But then I saw Rob Zombie's stage show and it was like the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. And like, listen, the music's whatever, but he did a lot of cool stuff. (laughs) Hell yeah. And so um, then I went, oh, he deserves every ounce of horror cred that he gets because he he put his money where his mouth is. You know, he's seen the things and loves the things, has opinions on the things, develops on the things, and takes risks on the things. Eli Roth watches the things and then goes, hee hee hee, I'm going to make this about how SJWs are bad, and I'm going to do it again. 
<laughs> and I'm fucking sick and tired of calling like who made you the boss, my man? I people he's got a podcast and shit where he t- history of horror and stuff and it's like my man, I've seen horror movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like why do people listen to him? I've seen them. I think it's um money. I think he's got money. I think he he's always had a lot of support behind him. Big support. Mm-hmm. And it's come to a head where he doesn't really need to do much more than have eyes at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like, if anybody broke down his filmography, I don't really think they'd be listening to him about much of anything. Right. <laughs> like, especially Death Wish. Like, I cannot stress enough how much that movie fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. Like... Why are we debating this? So is Death- Who made him the boss? Is Death Wish the next movie? If like- we watch that, I will... Uh, you know what? Let's do it. Let's go sit down and watch it right now. God damn it. I got I got coffee left. What have I done? Save no, me from myself. Do no, I don't want this to be the Eli Roth season, but listen, I do hate his movies, and Death Wish is pretty bad. <laughs> okay? Uh, knock Knock is worse. Well... I don't know. Like, it's just so funny how, like, people out there genuinely are like, I understand Eli Roth, and I love him. I deeply understand him. It's like, all right, can no, you... No, he, he's not like other people think. Can you uh, take a couple steps back? And it's like... A little bit more. It's a like, couple more, a couple okay, more steps you, away. A little bit, a little bit further? Okay, a little bit further? okay, okay right. I'll see you later, bud. All right, I'm, don't I'm, talk I'm, to me I'm, anymore. <laughs> here, let's make a deal. You go that way, I'm going to go this way. Well, yeah, and it's, it's just like, okay, I saw Death Wish, I also saw Green Inferno, and I saw Knock Knock. Three strikes, my man. <laughs> all right, let's 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 call this a podcast. Huh? All right, all right. Thank you all for coming out and uh, thanks to all our sponsors. Here. Thanks to all our patrons. Yeah, uh, Patreon.com/slash/excrement. We'll see you next week links, with another shit movie that we hate. Because apparently that's the, the season two, season poo. Yeah, links we to every, links to everything is going to be down in the description. Yeah. Uh, see y'all later. Bye.